Blog Talk Radio. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron. A podcast featuring Elvira Love and Deborah Voith, two out-of-the-broom-closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC radio network. During each episode, Elvira and Deb will help you create rituals, cast spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Deb, take it away. Gosh, I feel like I should be on a, you know, some kind of a wheel thing to just take it away and go. But here we are, back after a two-week hiatus. Yes. Or a week and a half hiatus. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is Elvira, and Deb, my co-hostess, is also making comments, and we're going to be getting ready as the show, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, starts to move forward. Um, We are in a new month, so our... Uh, subject is basically for the month, inner transformation. And then what we have is the, um, the goddess, or we'll discuss whether we call her a goddess or <laughs> what we call her, um, Melusine or Melusina. Um, and, you know, we are, she is of the uh, water, spirit of the water, and it's um, fresh water, not ocean water. So now I think we will just sort of jump in and, you know, get kind of going with what's happened so we can talk about this in a little bit. Um, I do want to mention in the advance is that a very dear friend of mine, very long-term friend, passed away. I just found out about it, um, that it happened earlier this year. And so because she was very much into the French culture and all of the different French history and, you know, had gone to France several times. Um, we are, we decided, both Kay, uh, Deb and I, to dedicate this show of Melusina to Kay Brenner, who um, had a great love for not only French and France and, and all that, but for a, a lot of the unusual. And I was one of her unusual friends. So, um that being the case, uh, my, my, my time has been um, spent with, you know, helping uh, get my granddaughter from school and get her situated. And uh, then, obviously, um, I was rather excited because I, you know, finally got all my Christmas and Halloween tubs down to my storage <laughs> shed on my property because it was either snowed and iced or it was messy wet so I couldn't take my dolly and truck it down there. So that was a real fun thing. And by the time that all happened, I started getting into the concept that we're going to have spring and I wanted it now as opposed to later. So, um, but other than that, it's been, you know, kind of just plugging along trying to uh, keep a focus on, you know, my clients and some of the things that I'm looking to start putting more energy into for this year. And um, I got my car fixed, my second car, got its heating system taken care of, so I feel really good about that. And, oh, then I'll turn it over to you. My first car, which is my first love, um, she only got to get started. I would move her up and back for in the carport so she could get some movement because she's very low to the ground, not something you take out in snow, ice, or, you know, mm. like deep water. And mm. so I made an appointment with my uh, mechanic 
this week to come in on next week and bring her in so she can get kind of a look over and make sure everything is fine so that I can start driving her since our weather is starting to turn into um, a better time to drive the car. And um, he really thinks I'm, you know, I don't want to say the bee's knees, but he thinks I'm very funny. And um, turns out that, you know, I was making a lot of jokes about the different things that we had done for my car and this car and the other car. So I told him that he's got a strange lady for a, um, a customer, but he says, you make me laugh. I said, so that's my job. Over and above, <laughs> I pay you for what you do. I make you laugh. So, that's been my week and a half. So how's it been with you? Yeah. This is, um, this has been a, an interesting week. It just, um, there was like a couple of different things that happened with me. Um, and though I've had grandkids um, for several days over at my house and they are kind of distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been like other things that have been uh, very interesting. Like, um, okay, so... My mom's birthday was yesterday, and she has she's passed away for many years now, um, since um, eighty five. So it's been a, a long, long time. But she was a um, she was an Aquarius. She was a very um, opinionated person, very vivacious, and um, really um, got you going. I mean, she really um, she's. I would say my mom was probably one of the most interesting persons I've known. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she passed mm-hmm. away way too soon. But about 10 days ago, I was really missing her. And um, you know, I always think about her, but sometimes I kind of miss her more than other times. Like uh, when there's things that are going on um, where I wish I was able to, you know, call her up or tell her about it and that. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it had been quite a while since I had sensed that she was around me. And so, you know, I kind of, mm-hmm. about 10 days ago, I was like, you know, Mom, give me a sign. I'm really, really missing you. I'd like to know that you're around. And so within the past week leading up to her birthday yesterday, there was like a number of things that happened. Um, oh, a couple wow. of different times in the house, um, I heard walking like somebody, you know, and that's when I was in the house by myself and there was nobody there. Um, then last week we went, and, or no, Saturday night we went and saw um, this play that was so funny. It was uh, uh, like a remake or whatever of the old movie Xanadu. Anyway, oh, yeah. there was this um, song in there, um, Suddenly, and I just remember my mom really liking that song and it's been in my head ever since. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't care for Xana do the movies too much, um, but the, the play was hilarious. And the song, I just felt like it was, a, it was a real message. Then the last thing that happened was two days ago, I was uh, sitting in my band. Um, I have um, a lot of earrings. So I have like these earring stands, and there's two of them, and they're round. Um, so you can kind of push them, you know, uh, turn them to get the earrings that you want or whatever. And um, one of the stands started turning <laughs> by itself, oh. um, and it turned in a very uniform, steady way, and it turned about 10 times like that. I haven't had something that remarkable <laughs> happen for quite a long time, and I was like, I was like, Mom? <laughs> and that the feeling just washed over me that, yeah, that was her. And it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. she uh, found some very inventive um creative ways of, you know, letting me know that, yeah, she's there. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, you know, the other thing, um, I guess, that I thought was kind of interesting, well, there's a couple other things that happened that were kind of like um, little challenges that I thought were kind of cool. But I had somebody contact me through air who, um, is an artist in um, in California, and she um, 
she was like, hey, I would like to see, um, I know you do psychometry, um, so I'd like to see if you um, could read a series of paintings that I did. And um, and she said, I know this is probably a little outside of what you usually do. And I was like, huh, that, that is, because I, usually I've read people, photos, clothing, jewelry, you know, other personal items. Mm-hmm. But um, but I was like, no, you know, I, I would give that a try. That sounds like an interesting experience. And so I did. She sent me her paintings. And I was like, I was blown away with how much I got in touch with them and some of the the um, messaging and images and stuff that I picked up from them. Um, it was a really fun experience. And I think that that's good for me every once in a while to do something a little different a little outside of the usual, you know, and so mm-hmm. that's um, that was that was a fun thing that came up this past week too. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's been so, a, a real adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, well, then we both have mm-hmm. had very interesting weeks and time. So, yeah. are you? I think so, I'm. I think we'd better delve into Melusina just because Ooh. this is going to be a really interesting topic. <laughs> and um, I want to thank you, Deb, for mm-hmm. being the one to mention it when we were doing our brainstorming for our, our topics <laughs> because we started out, you know, going through all these things. And then when I got to this, and, of course, I'm looking at, you know, the legend <laughs> and the myth and the thises and the that. I was going, wow, this is this is really interesting. And um she basically, you know, is she is from the French um area, but she also has many connections to um Germany and Luxembourg and even uh Britain and Scotland. So, you know, she kinda has a interesting, you know, con- you know, uh congregation of places where she has very important connections, so to speak. Um, and she is a, a water deity or goddess. Um, we can call her um, a fae. We can call her a, um, a spirit, a water spirit. She is obviously attached to holy wells and, you know, rivers and um, fresh water. And I would probably even say lakes and springs and things of that nature because it would kind of pan out in terms of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And she has a tendency to have a certain kind of physical look. She is a female, a woman, so there is this human body. (laughs) But she also has a part which the, the legend and the myth will explain more in detail but she, the, from the navel down, she either is a serpent. She could be a, you know, depicted as a fish with a tail, sometimes two tails. Sometimes they give her wings. So she kind of has a, a, a combination of imageries, and um, obviously that gives you a, an idea that there's something about her physical being that she goes from the human form to the supernatural or fae or spirit area, that she combines the two and mm-hmm. it, you know, gives her the, you know, a mystical um, energies that she's able to, you know, use in the fabric of reality and, quote, defy the laws <laughs> of nature to create things. So there is another part of her that, you know, does have magical powers, so to speak. And mm-hmm. um, her name, obviously, Melusine or Melusina, <laughs> they've still, you know, where does it come from? Well, you know, you got different things, you know, that, you know, it can come from. The, the one that I found in my, you know, little research was a Latin mm-hmm. melus, M-E-L-U-S, mm-hmm. which is for... Mm-hmm melodious and melodious pleasant so it kind of Uh leaves you to get the idea that and i was telling deb when we 
I did, we started talking about this in our, you know, get together <laughs> session is that the way she's described, and I know we're both going to say this at some point again and again, that she is a siren, S I R E N. And of course she has a look very much like the Starbucks <laughs> logo. So that is also oh, mentioned yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh, the so, infamous and, Starbucks logo. <laughs> I know, I know. You kind of look at that and you go, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I'm <laughs> going to turn this over to you to kind of flesh out other things or discuss, you know, something mm-hmm. that you really want to bring up, and we'll go from there. When we do break, we'll come back and probably spend more time talking about the myth and the legend and have a more fleshed-out idea of her her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. There's um, – she um, – She's she's interesting to me um, personally. I mean, she's it, she's very hard to categorize. Uh, but just to give mm-hmm. like a little more backstory, it's um, so um, her story I think was first documented in like the 1390s um, by uh, a, a writer. His name was Jean Diarius, and he. Um, mm-hmm wrote like a collection of what they called spinning yarns as told by ladies um, in their spinning um, circle. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. I can just see that like a kind of like a sewing circle where there was an oral tradition of her story before, before it was ever written down. And um, so um, the basics about her is her mother was a full fairy. Um, And I, See that her name was either Procina or I've also seen other sources refer to her as a Procine fairy. And so that made me wonder if her name was actually Procina or if she was, if that's the type of fairy that she was. But for now, I'm just going to call her Procina. Um, and then her father was the Pictish King uh, Elinus of, of Alba, which is Scotland. And then um, her sisters, she had two sisters because they were triplets, were Melior and Palantine. And um, in 733, Melusine married uh, a guy named Ranfroy de Vere, who was the Prince of Anjou, a place in France. And um, they had a lot of offspring and a lot of... Um, there's always been like many different royal family lines that have said that they are descended from Melusine, uh, which is kind of interesting because there's, seems like there's kind of a, a dark side and a light side to that, depending on who you're reading and, <laughs> and how you take mm-hmm. it. But so mm-hmm. anyway, well, the story kind of goes that King Elenus had met Procina, the water fairy, at a place called the Fountain of Thirst, and he fell madly in love with her and asked for her hand in marriage. And so she agreed to marry the king under the condition that he never enter her chamber um, during or just after childbirth and also when she was bathing. And so shortly after the marriage, she became pregnant with the triplets and gave birth to the three daughters, Melusine, Melior, and Palantine. But the king, you know, as happens oftentimes when there's those promises made, his curiosity got the best of him, and after the urging of an elder son from a previous marriage, <laughs> mm. um, who insisted that he go in and see his new wife and babies, um, he w- he went in and he broke his promise. So, at that point, Procina was so overcome with sadness um, because the king broke his promise that she takes the babies and runs away to a hidden island. Some say. The island is Avalon. So when the daughters are teenagers, Christina takes the girls upon their father's realm, and she tells the girls about the promise that their father broke. Melusine decides to take revenge against her father. She convinces her two other sisters to help, and they kidnap their father and imprison him inside of a mountain. So once Christina finds this out, and she's got to be the worst mother of all time, she becomes very upset and punishes mm-hmm. Melusine by telling her <laughs> that she will become a half-fish or serpent creature every Saturday for the rest of her life. And she also, well, in some versions, she only punishes um, Melusine, but in other versions, she also punishes the two other sisters. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like there are lesser punishments. So after this, right. Melusine goes on living in the forest until one day she runs into Prince uh, Ranfoy Devere, the Prince of Anjou, although some sources say he was a count or a duke. But she um, ends up comforting him and advising him after he accidentally kills his uncle during a hunting accident. Um, but during the course of this, he fell in love with her, and shortly afterward, they were married. Um, but only after Melusine, again, set the condition that he promised not to see her in her chambers uh, on any Saturdays. Kind of interesting, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So um, he agreed to the promise, and um, after they married, Melusine um, kind of magically built their castle overnight. She also helped him gain power and the favor of the people, and she bore him ten children, um, which some say had certain things wrong with them, like one of them had like a really big tooth, <laughs> or things like that. Um, but the right. ten children, <laughs> now of royal lineage, um, kind of you know uh, dispersed over time and ended up founding many of these different royal lines. And it's also said that she was widely loved by the people of the kingdom. So mm-hmm. now this is where the story seems to, depending on the source um, and what version you're looking at, um, this is where things kind of change. Um, in, in the Diarius version, I believe, so he broke his palmas into her chamber uh, and he saw Melusine bathing in a half-serpent form. So he keeps his transgression secret um, until one of their now adult sons murdered their brother. So um, basically the grieving Raymond uh, blamed Melusine and called her a serpent. Um, It was at that point she assumed the form of a dragon because she knew that he betrayed her, uh, provided him with two magic rings and flew off never to be seen again. But she would return at night to nurse her two youngest children, who were still infants. Um, So then there's, you know, that's the basic story. Um, But there's like, you know, other... Each country seems to have a couple of versions um, where, you know, um, in different parts of France, um, they say that she... um, departed with a loud yell and was never, again, visible to mortal eyes. Um, But she was supposed to be the protectress of the descendants and and was heard wailing as she sailed upon um, the blast around the turrets of the castle of um, Lusignan the night before it was demolished. Um, So, and there's also lore that says that any time you could hear her cries, it was kind of like the banshee wailing where it kind of foretold of a, uh, the death of a loved one. Um, then there's like another version that says that um, Melusine, um when that happened and he saw her, she sank into the earth and remained trapped in a rock, but returned every seven years as a woman or a serpent carrying a golden key in her mouth. And that anyone brave enough to take the key and free her would win her as their bride. And so, um, <laughs> and also every seven years, Melusine would add a stitch, a linen chemise. And if she finished the chemise before she can be freed, all of Luxembourg would be swallowed by the lock, by the rack, not the lock. But mm-hmm. um, so basically, um, there's a lot of different versions. Um, well, in Germany, I'll just add one more here. Um, in Germany, Martin Luther um, declared that she was a succubus or the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I like one more. And then in, <clears throat> in Britain, she was um, kind of uh, conflated sometimes with the Lady of the Lake. Mm-hmm. She spirited away uh, the infant Lancelot and raised the child, um, and she was a water nymph. Um, mm-hmm. So there's 
a lot of different, and there's even more different variations of the story. But it kind of follows the same formula where there's a promise made, there's the union of a fae and a human. Uh, the human betrays their promise, and then not good things happen after that. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's just, you know, I think it's, as we listen to these stories, it's, I think it's a good idea just to keep in mind, like, kind of like what was going on in history back then and the context of, of these stories. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, witch hunts and persecutions and a lot of, especially towards women, there was a lot of um, things going on where, you know, any form of feminine power was not well received. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to talk about the Starbucks logo, but I'm going to wait till uh, the next We get through with our, because, yeah. Yeah, we have a, yeah. We have a uh, <laughs> commercial break so to speak so yeah I I know that's coming up yeah we will let Nagashiva do our (laughs) commercial now you're listening to the witch the priestess and the cauldron a radio podcast on the LMC radio network Stay tuned, as more magic is coming your way, right after these messages. LMC You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Miss Phoenix Le Fay, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield in syndication Wednesdays. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voith Thursdays 4 to 5. All time specific at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com. Here we go again. So what we do have here, and I think that as you pointed out through the different um, stories and what the connection to royal houses became to legitimize, you know, the connection between the the, uh, pagan and the Christian beliefs was trying to work a trans you know, transformation, pulling Mm -hmm. the pagan symbols and pulling Mm -hmm. the pagan energy into a more redemption-based aspect. So it's kind of like to gain Mm -hmm. the power that they could legitimately wield over the land, over and above killing everybody that disagreed Uh, with them or burning them or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. They created this bridge that became um, one that they could utilize the the process between what the mythology and the, the, the legends of the Fey Kingdom and the, the energies of supernatural with, obviously, the, the legitimized <laughs> Christian concepts uh, will start to make her a better version, even like... Well, she did a lot of good for the people, and the people loved her, and you know. But it was the betrayal of the husband, and yet you notice that in most of what you were describing, the husband could redeem her if he chose to, 
under certain parameters, and each, you know, legend had a specific point of reference to do that. They never did choose to. So they got what they wanted, which was the power of um, the land over the land, and then let this other situation go by the wayside. So, the, you know, it was a manipulation. And if you look at how the church um, and how they kind of put it around this, this whole thing, because they had to do something with the, the people who had this belief and had these, these you know, myths that were real to them, um, get them to kind of go, well, then you guys brought her into your fold and she's okay, so we'll come over to your side a little bit more. And I think mm-hmm. that just by listening to what you've been saying and what I was reading, um, a lot of that is true. Now, it's interesting that if you take it from a more Jungian psychological point of reference and step aside from the history and the the dynamics of that is that both mother and daughter healed the man, healed him, and then created a union with him. So he healed within that and then went on to, you know, this whole abundance and process of openness and then and did the same thing but in a different version by disrespecting mm-hmm. her disrespecting the female and though you know and then it created that i did find it interesting that mm-hmm. like the hounds that how when there's the death of a you know going to be a death of a royal and different mythologies different uh, belief systems she would shriek mm-hmm. <clears throat> as the dragon to mm-hmm. announce mm-hmm. a destruction of some sort whether of a um war that was happening in the destruction of the people that were going to take over or the death of one of the um, the different nobles or reigning king or, you know, that process. So that's kind of what I wanted to share. And then I can like, you know, I kind of give it over to you because I know you've got some other things you wanted to talk about. And I want to hear about the Starbucks siren. <laughs> you know, um, thanks, Alvaro. You know, I, um, I've always been very drawn to uh, melusine, and I didn't realize until I started researching researching her a few years back um, about the whole Starbucks logo thing. I didn't, I never knew that was melusine on there until I did that. And um, so I had always noticed, though, their kind of unique logo, and it's kind of interesting how. That logo has changed over the years. It's kind of um, been sanitized. Um, I believe that they started out where uh, where she was bare-breasted. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you could yeah. clearly see the two tails. And it mm-hmm. maybe looked a little provocative, you know. Um, and I believe it was taken from an old woodcut. Um, mm-hmm. But then they, they cleared, they've done at least three different versions of it. Um, where now, in the current version, her hair flows down over her chest, so you, you don't see her breasts, mm-hmm. and you don't see her tails anymore because they kind of, like, zoom in on her face. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's, um, I just found that the whole Starbucks thing is very nautical. I mean, I believe they're in Seattle, um, mm-hmm. on the ocean, and... So even like the name Starbucks is the name of the coffee drinking first mate of Captain Ahab in the novel Moby Moby Dick, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was really funny. But um, Mm -hmm. I um, the thing is, is if you start like looking online or on YouTube, there are you know a lot of. I would say there's not a lot. There's a fair amount of interesting sources that have a background on melusine. But then there are also a number of um, videos and other things that talk about, like, how evil um, the logo of melusine is and that Starbucks is evil um, thing or whatever. And so I believe that that's just a continuation of 
something that started, you know, in the Middle Ages or maybe mm-hmm. even before that where um, some, that feminine power and the magic of it was was demonized. Um, mm-hmm. Because I agree with what you were saying. It's like, you know, if you look at, like, what she was actually doing, where she she made a mistake, okay, she her dad in a mountain, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, but I think, you know, they say that they were about 15 years old when that happened. And so, um, you know, that probably wasn't the nicest thing, but it looks like after that in her later life, all of the stories about her are saying that she uh, was loved by the people, that she helped the, the husband and uh, built the castle and all this stuff. And, um mm-hmm. So if we're, like, just looking at what the story is actually saying about her, mm-hmm. it seems like it's mostly good stuff. Um, yeah, and so that's, you know, I think her, um, just like looking at the uh, underlying themes of her story really can tell us a lot um, spiritually and magically just kind of tapping into that. And, well, one of the themes that you mentioned was that whole theme of um, uh, alchemy and transformation. Mm-hmm. Because her story, um, I mean, the whole the folklore stories are very powerful. Uh, but mm-hmm. even like the psychoanalyst, Carl Jung, took an interest in her role in alchemy. And um, here... Um, put it this way, that Melusina is a manifestation of Luna, the elements of dark, cold, water, and spirit. And as such, she makes the alchemical union with her opposite, with soul, sun, mm-hmm. the source of warmth and light. The union is known by alchemists as the chemical wedding, which uh, mm-hmm. signified to Young the union of body and spirit, or consciousness and unconsciousness. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, that there's a lot of underlying themes and she is such a magical character that I think it's just a natural to go to, um, you know, when working with any kind of transformation magic. You know, she also has that. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just... I had a thought and it flew away. Uh. <laughs> um, so I well, let me ask you. Um, just kind of backing up a little. So there's so many variations on her. There's so many different things, like in literature and art, um, in video games, in movies. Oh, the video um, games! Wow. <laughs> but it's like so. I'm going to name off a few different things that Melissa's been portrayed as, and I just want to get your gist on or, or the feeling that you have of what she actually is. Um, so she, mm-hmm. I'm just going to name off a few of them. She's been portrayed as a mermaid, a goddess, siren, a fairy, also a genius Losi, which is the guardian of spirit of a place, mm-hmm. um, a dragon, succubus, a witch, a banshee, and a demon <laughs> were the ones that I thought just, you know, looking through a few things. Um, do, which one of those resonates with you the most? That Melusine You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. <laughs> okay. Um, obviously, I'm going to say the dragon right now. Oh. Um, yeah. It is interesting. Um, I am sitting here with two dragon statues on my table that I normally do <laughs> readings on. And I had put okay. them here um, because these are two statues that Kay gave me because she was very much into dragons. Oh. And so I put them there, and that kind of was a physical form. But when the mm-hmm. reading of the story where she turns from, obviously when she turns from the water nymph-type <laughs> energy – um, mm-hmm. to a dragon that is air 
kind of made me think yeah. you're going from the emotion, you know, water, emotion, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, fluid, it's healing, it's sensitive to air, yeah. which isn't necessarily, um, and you don't see her being a fire-breathing dragon either. They don't talk about mm-hmm. her breathing fire and setting fire to, you know, all right. of the landscape, but just that she takes yeah. flight as the air, it's more that I, I, you know, it goes from the feminine to the masculine because, you know, the air is more masculine. It's the mind, it's logic, you know, it kind of is associated with that. So I kind of feel that that energy, it isn't that I, I think all the others are less. It's just that one draws me because... It it combines a you know it takes it takes you and moves you out of a physical location as opposed to water which stays in a location. So I feel more like there's movement, even though the reason that she wound up you know going into that point was because she had been betrayed and then her anger took over and you know then everything kind of you know, flew away and. That was it. Um, but I'm drawn to that um, as a a way to release yourself from the, the not the physical world, but the limitations of what the other, um, you know, the other uh, element of water is. Now, obviously, Faye... Or, you know, again, genus Loki is basically um, tied to a location. So you're tied to a physical location. You're tied to um, the specifics of things. Whereas you get a bigger picture if you're, like, flying around. And um, (laughs) interesting enough, it's also, you know, we're, we're literally around the corner from the year of, the dragon now it's a wood dragon and so it'll be coming up tomorrow and between you know like cusp is tomorrow and saturday but oh, wow. um yeah i knew it was coming up yeah yeah so it's it's kind of <laughs> interesting so that's that's kind of how i i feel what do you feel drawn to well i i love that whole uh way that you looked at like the elements water and air because it kind of it kind of sounds like also like what uh, Carl Jung was thinking about with the elements of water and then her opposite soul the warmth mm-hmm. and light of the air mm-hmm. you know and um, mm-hmm. and I can see like for transformation I've seen like a number of different spells where um, just using um, that whole um, the whole bathing of um, and talking to Melusine as you bathe and um, asking for help to transform and Mm -hmm. just as a little simple you know spell that you work on yourself and so I I love that whole thing alchemy transformation and it's also you know although I kind of think that um, Melusine you know she was judged um, she was called out and in most versions it's like she was like hey I'm out of here then Um, Mm -hmm. so to me that's um, kind of you know like the moral of that or the, the truth of that matter is that okay you know if you're around people who are not appreciating you for who or what you really are, mm-hmm. maybe maybe those aren't the people you should be around. Because mm-hmm. um, if I think of her story where she um, uh, counseled him and um, helped him, you know, through his, his sorrow and, and uh, the mistakes that he had made, and, you know, built a right. castle for him. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, 
uh, to not accept her um, when he broke his promise. Um, it's like, you know what? Yeah, it's time for me to move and just, you know, mm-hmm. and just go go on. And, and then her story seems to occur uh, again and again in different um, different parts of Europe. Um, and it's kind of neat because I think that there's, not that I know a lot of them, but I know that there's other water deities like her mm-hmm. in other parts mm-hmm. of the world. Um, oh, yeah. China or Africa and uh, India. But I think that whole um, theme of alchemy and transformation and kind of that whole theme of being the outsider um, really yeah. fits into her story, too. Um, so it seems like at first she willing to do anything to fit in and to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's, you know, basically an entity, half half fae, half dragon, um, and half human who's between two worlds. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she's portrayed as a hybrid. Sometimes she's portrayed as a monster. And it's um, really kind of fits into the whole concepts of, like, um, getting to that place of self-acceptance um, in your own self and um, mm-hmm. and or being open to transformation and um, uh, being able to grow and, and cherish your own strengths and weaknesses as you go along, even though mm-hmm. others might, might not, you know. Um, and, and I also think that... Um, so the themes of alchemy of transformation is a major one. It's probably mm-hmm. the most major, but there's also the theme of the outsider. And I think looking at the historical context, there's that theme of destruction of the, of the divine feminine because mm-hmm. she was more than. Um, and I don't know if any, if you or anybody else listening has ever had that experience where just as, you know, someone who practices magic, divination, or, you know, different alternative spiritualities where you kind of shy back or are afraid of being judged um, because you're maybe more, you know, outside of the box, um, you might be more powerful in some ways, um, and that's not always embraced too well by other people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people might be fearful or or definitely not appreciate <laughs> some of those things, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it does present with, you know, you know, when I... When I had um, my awakening to going into magic and everything, I think I, I I really was in that space where I didn't really care <laughs> if people didn't like it. It was not they weren't for me, you know. Um, okay. And that was kind of the way it was. But um, I have over the decades now of where I've you know traversed, I've learned to work with what's around me as opposed to declaring what I am. It's kind of like you can see me mm-hmm. or you will never see me, but I'm not going to spend my time running around declaring that I'm a witch of this. Why? Because right. I feel that I am. I embody it. I need never go to, in you know, like I walk, I walk my path. So, you know, being in the environment I'm in, I don't spend my time running around going, hey, you know, I'm into magic and all this <laughs> stuff, and you want to do some spell work, come see me. Here's my card. Um, obviously, Northern California has a lot more um, of a genre that you can be that and do that. Even Southern California, you know, has that. But when you're in a place that is not, um, and it's funny because I had a discussion with um, <laughs> one of the people here about how mm-hmm. they people think. You know, they're the ones that 
people that live in an environment where it is so structured are the ones that really practice a lot of what they're what we're talking about for um, specific outcomes. So, you know, I look at, I live it. So I'm a dragon, I'm a whatever, you know, I'm it, there you are. And you can either see me or you don't, but I don't spend, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's shape-shifting. And even mm-hmm. though, unfortunately, and it was a fandom uh <laughs> Uh, what do you call it, internet uh, place that I saw this on, and I thought, you know, she is a shapeshifter, okay, and she would her, sh- her shape changed. She couldn't do it at will because she only could, you know, she was forced to do it. It came on a Saturday. It came on a particular time frame, and she was not able to, you know, do that. But um, that shapeshifting process, is when you go beyond your own limits. And I think that's what um, I see as, you know, as her ultimate destination um, was that she would eventually do that. And it was her own release of herself, not the release from her mother's curse or, you know, any of the other things. I think that would be episode you know, season 59, episode one, is her, <laughs> her shifting into that other place. But that's yeah. why I, you know, I, I see this as a good base. But, again, without having others trying to use you or abuse you or um, manipulate you for their own gain. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that, I think that especially, you know, I don't think I've ever, like, um, just, you know, kind of blindly announced um, my spirituality or my witchcraft or anything. Um, but mm-hmm. I I can appreciate that. It's like that really is uh, an aspect of self that should be shared wisely. Um Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I had a thought, Elvira. There was something yeah. like yeah. with Melusine's story that has always kind of made me wonder. Like maybe her mom was, you know, total biatch, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. did curse her. Um, and the other thing is, I wonder is did the king ever get out of that mountain? But <laughs> really, what I'm thinking about yeah. is. I wonder if, okay, so that's the form of the story that's the most popular form. But it makes me wonder mm-hmm. if she was actually really cursed. Because the thing is, is that her mother was a full-fledged fairy. Mm-hmm. And her, her father was a human. So I'm thinking, wouldn't mm-hmm. she have had <laughs> some aspect of that anyway? I mean, um, so I wonder, as part of that whole um theme of um of the destruction of the divine feminine if yes with the story being retold um and reshaped if if she was ever actually cursed at all i mean maybe that's maybe that's just what she was um and we don't know what happened to the king father um he might have got out the next day and you know said like don't do that anymore <laughs> or something yeah. you know we don't yeah. really know <laughs> It's true. It's true because it's been, um, it was put together and it was massaged somewhat gently, somewhat not, um, into different forms to be used for a reason. So what it really was is, I mean, if you think about it, she has a physical form, she has a spirit side to her you come into mm-hmm. life as a representation of a physical form with a spirit side whether it's supernatural say mm-hmm. or it's just spirit and you're here to learn how to not be trapped mm-hmm. in the physical form mm-hmm. but to oh, use it yeah. so <laughs> as a as a metaphor 
I personally think it was probably farther back in that way without it being um, somewhat utilized in these other ways. And, you know, you and I know that the stories have all been changed and, and, you know, utilized Mm -hmm. for the purposes of those that were in the power or in the situation that wanted to do that. And because we don't have the ability to know, no, we have to go back and look at, well, what is the symbology here and where do you come in that level? They are, and whether there was a real person, I mean, like we talk about, we talked about Mott, and I also have to look at our time. Um, we're coming up to three minutes, so we may have to kind of put a, a pin in this, which I know is really hard. <laughs> But um, it's mostly about realizing that there was a certain level of empowerment that needed to be destabilized. And for whatever purposes, it's the same thing in effect throughout what we're seeing in the world now, what we've seen in the history, you know, that kind of a thing. So. Yeah. Yes. Talk about yeah. I I think definitely power. You know, issues of power here really really enter into that so much. So I mean, just you know, with things that are going on in the world, and even with just this little example of Melusine through the centuries, and then looking at how the Starbucks logo ended up being. I know. You know, it's just like, yeah. huh. Yeah, that's um, so, yeah, that, I think we're is definitely. a continuation. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to. Well, and we'll find other ways to discuss this, I'm sure, <laughs> the ways our topics are running. But we do need to kind of get a grip of our timing. And um, obviously next week's topic in the process of inner transformation is going to be Reiki and other forms of energy healing. So this is going to be interesting <laughs> because discussing it is half of that kind of process. The other half, of course, is experiencing it. So we're going to have an interesting um, hour of conversation and, and uh, discussion. I you know, look forward to that. So do you have any final moments before we, we transition off? Uh, no, no. I think that's it. This has been... This has been a fun show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, it has. And um, I want to thank everyone and Nagashiva and you, Deb, for, you know, all of what we do, have done together today and continue <laughs> to do from our previous uh, shows. So have a wonderful time over the next week. We will see you back on the radio. This is my bye. I'll turn it to you. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll just say goodbye, everybody, which on, which well, and which wisely. Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, a radio broadcast on the LMC radio network. Our podcast airs live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Central, and is available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website at witchpriestesscauldron.com. That's witchpriestesscauldron.com. Until next time, merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. Blessed be. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 